football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs, not only in football, but also the hoops. We have closed the book on the football season with the end of the Super Bowl 50 win for the Denver Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, and let's welcome in our guests uh, this week, our senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com. Let's hear it for Kevin Rogers, who had the Broncos. If you were listening on this show last week, not everybody, including me, thought Denver could do it, but you did. Welcome, my friend, and Denver wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, CJ, it was uh, wire to wire with the Broncos, and obviously, you know, coming off of that victory over New England, they were installed as the underdog again, and everyone, it seemed like, was buying into Carolina after what they did in their two playoff victories over Seattle and Arizona, which was great, but at the same time, they had never faced a defense of this magnitude the whole season. I felt very good about the Broncos for the two weeks uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, and obviously you saw that Cam Newton could not figure out how to get past this Denver Bronco defense. Peyton Manning wasn't great. We know that, that uh, he gets the defensive touchdown and the special teams return to set up a field goal. And again, up getting the late fumble from Cam Newton to set up the, you know, the, the clinching touchdown to put the game away. And it just happened to work out. And again, that's why you don't buy into that much perception. And Carolina ends up losing. They lost two games the whole year, and they have nothing to show for it. Yeah, and in the end, uh, the Broncos captured this game largely because of the defense. Let's start right there. What about the job that Wade Phillips's scheme? The players have to have to go out and play, but they seem to just completely confuse and befuddle uh, Carolina. Uh, throughout this game, and Carolina didn't really adjust. How much credit do you have to give to Wade Phillips and the defensive scheme in this game from what we saw? It was great. I mean, obviously you still need the talent out there to uh, to do the job, but you know, Wade has been around a very long time as a head coach and as a coordinator in this league, so obviously you know he knew what to look for. And you know, I go back to Carolina and I say, Past Cam Newton, how many threatening offensive weapons are on that team? That, you know, you look at Denver and you say, even though Demarius Thomas didn't have a great postseason, and you look at Emmanuel Sanders, both those guys were 1,000-yard receivers. And all Carolina had was a 1,000-yard tight end and Greg Olson. It, it just wasn't an offense that, you know, people – even though Carolina scored a lot of points this year, Cam Newton would throw for 4,000 yards. So it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, I believe, with Carolina that – they didn't have a lot of impressive road victories this year. I thought once they got out of the comfort zone of playing at Bank of America Stadium and going out west to an unfamiliar stadium and going against a great defense, that chances are they were not going to be as successful as they had been this, you know, earlier on in the season. And you were right with that. They could not run the ball, which is something they had been very effective at all year long. Denver let it, didn't let them do that uh, as well. All right, we're going to give you a chance, Kevin Rogers, here on Three Dog Thursday to weigh in on the end of the game. And then I will have some thoughts as well on Cam Newton getting 
the second sack fumble where the ball is loose and he doesn't go after it. So much has been made this week about it. Give me your take. Everybody's got to take. Give me your take on that whole scene that it basically gave uh, the last chance away to go try to win the game, and Denver was able to put the game away after that. It just comes down to you know, leadership. And does Cam Newton fall on that ball if he jumps on it? Not necessarily. We don't know if he would have. But at the same time, you're still down by six points. And if you give some kind of effort to try to get that ball back, maybe you still have a chance to win this game, even if you didn't play your best. And the, the fact of the matter is, with Cam, for as great of an athlete as he is, he is a prima donna, and he's immature. And I don't believe that anytime soon he's going to mature. I just don't see that in him. I feel like you know he, he's right when he says he is a sore loser, but nobody wants to lose. I just don't understand where it's, you know, he made the comment after the game and he said that, you know, find me a sore loser and you'll find a, or find a good loser and you'll find a, you know, a loser. And I say, nobody likes to, but at the same time, you didn't lose the game on the final play where you say, wow, I'm really pissed off because this really hurts me that we were so close. You weren't close at all. You were down the whole game. You played awful. Like, right. You know, you didn't play your best game. So, you know, you're just being very chippy about this where, you know what, they punched you in the mouth and you know how to respond to it. That, that's exactly what it came down to, that I hadn't seen a defense all year that got in Cam's face and knocked him down like Denver did, and, you know, you just couldn't take it. And I get that the media blows things up, and you say, well, why are you making a big deal out of this? It's not that, like, for instance, TJ, I'm not offended at anything that Cam did because it doesn't matter to me. You just embarrassed yourself. Like, it doesn't really matter. I I think that nobody's idea following you through the league has changed about you, that you're still, yeah, you're happy when you win. That's great. It's easy when you're beating the NFC South and the AFC South, and, you know, you pick up all these wins and you're celebrating the sidelines, but you still have accomplished nothing. And it's very hard to get back to the Super Bowl in this league. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. first great as he is, look how long it took him to win a championship from – 03 until a few years ago, or actually last year, rather, against Seattle. Look how long of a gap that was. Look how great the Patriots are. There's no guarantee Carolina's getting back, so That's right. he got humbled. And you know what? He could end up just falling off the wagon, and we never hear from Carolina again. I think it's very possible. Well, and, and a point that I, I've made a couple of different places, and we'll make it here on Three Dog Thursday, in the NFL, because again, I, I'm around uh, the NFL in part of my duties with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast. I watch a game at field level every week involving the Buccaneers, including a couple of them with the Panthers. The NFL players, the former players, and those that cover the game hear the players talk about a business decision. And what they mean by that is you're not going to sacrifice your body or risk injury in certain situations, whether you're going for a ball or trying to get out of the way of somebody trying to block you or not go make a tackle in that instance he made a business decision and he admitted it I wasn't going to risk injury to my leg or dive at that ball well Kevin I would submit that it's one thing to do that in in week three as I keep saying uh, at the end of a game where you still have time and you still might make the playoffs and maybe make the Super Bowl this is the Super Bowl with four minutes left and you're absolutely right as we talked about on this show last week Dan, Dan Marino made the Super Bowl his second season never got back as great as those 85 Bears were uh, and Hall of Fame defensive players, after that Super Bowl, they could never get past the Giants 
and the 49ers in the NFC playoffs and never got back to the Super Bowl with all those great players. So there's not a guarantee that you would get back. So in, in that moment with that ball on the ground, you have to go do everything uh, that you can to get it. If you want to be the face of the league, the MVP of the league, the face of the league is not wussing out, for lack of a, of a more technical term, on trying to go get the ball when the game is still on the line. So uh, there's where I come down, and I understand uh, you do as well. One, one more time for Denver, because uh, you had them. Peyton Manning uh, goes out on top, but I think you know, Vaughn Miller is obviously going to get paid. DeMarcus Ware came to this team as a free agent trying to win a ring, and they got it. That's the real story is how good Denver's defense was, too. Yeah, I mean, they, they were obviously great, and they had a lot of veterans, and they, and they knew – uh, how to slow down this Carolina team. And, and you know what? They were, in a sense, the offense in this game because they set up or they got the one touchdown, the Von Miller mm-hmm. sack. And, you know, they were the ones to kind of get them to give Denver just enough to score, considering the offense wasn't generating anything past the first drive. They really did uh, They really did nothing. You saw all the three and outs. They had. And Carolina's defense, to give them a little bit of credit, they actually played pretty well at Carolina's defense. Right. And I think that we have – criticized Cam where we haven't looked at the defense, which actually was pretty good. It's just the offense didn't do much. Um, and just to, I just want to follow up on one thing you said about yeah. the diving on the ball and, and the business decision. Look, I'm one of the people that, that agrees as far as quarterback, you're the franchise, get out of the way. I didn't agree with Andy Dalton when he made the tackle against the Steelers. I thought that was a frustration tackle. And Cincinnati had a real, this was like their best chance to maybe go far with him as a quarterback, and I didn't agree with what he did. But I look at it on the flip side, and I say, well, if it's the Super Bowl, you do whatever you have to do yes. to save your season. Because you know why? You've got nine months off now. So now it doesn't matter if you break a bow and you do something. You're out for however long. Okay, you're out for however long. And you know what? No one is going to fault him. And, yes, we don't want to see him break his leg. But if he suffered some kind of injury on that play, no one would say, oh, well, how could he do that? This is the Super Bowl. Like, this is... It wasn't a meaningless play. It was still a six-point game. So he was wrong on that. He was definitely wrong by admitting that. And, again, I know you've been in the media a long time, so have I, that you say that we want honesty from the athletes. And that's great that Cam's honest. Like, the one thing you can't take away is that he's not a phony, that he's being very honest. But at the same time, you say, Cam, like, don't don't say that. Now (laughs) you're looking at, like, my brand – and my name and all this is more important than the team winning because I don't want to hurt myself. Yeah, not good. Like a very violent sport. Not uh, not good on that front. And yet, would you have thought a week ago that Denver would be able to win the game going one for 13 on third down conversions? One for 13, have fewer than 200 yards passing, score one offensive touchdown, which was at the very end of the game in the final two minutes when C.J. Anderson scored that touchdown, yet they win the game. Again, credit to uh, their defense. It is Three Dog Thursday. A couple more minutes on the wrap-up of the Super Bowl. And that was our our silly fun that we had with the prop bets. Uh, You actually cashed in not only on the Broncos, but you had Kevin Durant scoring a bunch of points for Oklahoma City on Saturday night in the NBA against Steph Curry and the Warriors. You took that against Peyton Manning's completions, and you were another winner there with with uh with the silly prop bet on that so we bow to you on getting that you you were very confident when you saw Durant put up a bunch of points Saturday night right well the the line was Kevin Durant minus six and a half uh points 
against uh, Golden State on Saturday versus Peyton Manning completions in the Super Bowl. And obviously, just so people know, I mean, it's it's just like it's a point spread in a game. It just people seem confused because there's just a lot of moving parts that Kevin Durant, if you want to win, that needed seven more points than whatever Peyton Manning's completions were. And I just figured that Peyton, looking back at his numbers, the last, I think, seven games prior to the Super Bowl, he hadn't completed more than 21 passes in the game. So I'm just going with, all right, Carolina's got a really good defense, and Kevin Durant, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he scores 28 to 30 a game anyway. He scored 40 on Saturday against Golden State. So I figured, I'm in the clear. This is done. There's no way Peyton Manning's completing 34 passes in this game. It's not happening. I think Peyton completed either 15 or 16, I think, when it was all said and done. So once I saw that, I was like, this is over. And you did. You cash in. And I did well with Steph Curry and his point total against the Panthers. As it turned out, the Panthers only scored uh, 10 points as, as it came out in the game. And Curry kind of had an off night for him, even though they won with only 26 points. So I did well there. Where I lost out is I took uh, last week on Three Dog Thursday Rory McIlroy in the final round of the Dubai Desert Classic, the European Tour Golf event. I was taking his golf score being greater than Emmanuel Sanders receiving yards for the Broncos because I was with you. I didn't think, I didn't think that Peyton Manning would throw for a bunch of yards. I didn't think Sanders would catch for a bunch of yards. But as it turns out, he caught enough in the second half of the game. McElroy, 65 in the final round, was outdone by Emmanuel Sanders catching for over 80 yards in a game. So we just had some silly fun in and around the Super Bowl. We're trying to keep it interesting. All right, so we want to talk some basketball in the next semester. Are you ready to go over to some college hoops? I know you've got an NBA game as well on Three Dog Thursday. Are you ready to do that coming up, sir? Yes, I am. Kevin Rogers, stand by. It is Three Dog Thursday. We'll be back to talk some Thursday hoops and maybe even preview a couple of weekend games as well for underdog purposes. We will continue. Stay with us. Ever dreamed of a way to video chat one-on-one with famous former athletes, coaches, and other big names in the sports world? Well, now you can with a brand new online communication service called Talk to Legends. The Talk to Legends mobile platform is available right now for free in the iOS Apple Store. And it puts you just a couple of clicks away from connecting by video to your sports heroes in a five-minute person-to-person conversation on your iPhone or iPad. Yes, it's as easy as registering and then picking a time to talk to your legend. There are hundreds of former athletes from all sports, including the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, college sports, the Olympics, MMA, and more. And they're ready to talk to you in a scheduled video conversation through Talk to Legends. Talk to Legends is coming soon to Android devices, too. But for now, go to the iOS Apple Store and download the app for free. Then check out the schedule and start communicating via video chat with your favorite legends. It's time for you to Talk to Legends. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Cousins on the run, three on two. Isaiah, right side, Woodard, cross court, Buddy, three pointer in the air. Bam! Buddy buckets from downtown, and Oklahoma's up 13. 
Well, what will happen with the huge basketball showdown, Oklahoma and Kansas, the rematch in the Big 12 Saturday afternoon? We'll talk a little more about that game coming up. That's from the Sooners Learfield Sports broadcast of Buddy Heald bombing in three-pointers earlier this year against LSU. He made the huge three in the win over Texas on Monday night. So we come back in to talk some college basketball. I am TJ Reeves. He is our guest this week. We love the insight of senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rodgers. Rogers, uh, back in with us. Um, all right, so let's talk some some college hoops. Kudos to you. You had the Oregon State Beavers last week. You were three for three on Three Dog Thursday. Oregon State Beavers came through on Thursday night. You had your Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning prop bet that came through, and the Broncos themselves. I, I should have been giving you kudos much earlier in the show for being three for three, but the the uh, the Beavers of Oregon State helped you out as well in college basketball last week. Yeah, they did, and they were down for uh, a lot of that game against Utah. They rallied back, and they had that crazy finish that Oregon State was up to. They fouled the shooter on Utah. He made all three free throws, and Oregon State got fouled at half court with one-tenth of a second left on a shot, and Oregon State made the free throws to win it, so it was a, it was a pretty wild game. I mean, Utah's really struggled of late, at least on the road, and... I just thought that that look was good for Oregon State, and it was a nice one at home. There you go. All right, I'll, I think I might uh, be leaning towards Oregon State in a little bit. All right, so for Thursday purposes in college basketball, where do you want to go tonight? Because we've got all kinds of different uh, power conferences, big-time matchups. What What do you like for Three Dog Thursday? I actually like a pair of Colonial games. And <laughs> I know on... On Thursday nights that, you know, you don't have really as many major teams playing. you got more Colonial, Conference USA, Big Sky, you have yeah. those conferences. Now, really... wait, though. Let me stop you. You're Florida State Seminoles. You're a Florida State guy. They're playing against Syracuse, but you're staying away from that one in the uh, in the Carrier Dome on Thursday night. You're going Colonial instead. Yeah, I'm staying away from FSU. They've been playing well, but uh, that's a tough game against Syracuse tonight, so... I decided to go the colonial route with a pair of underdogs. The first one I like is the Fighting Phoenix of Elon. They're taking on UNC Wilmington, who's actually been on fire. The Seahawks, they have won, I believe it's nine in a row now, and uh, Elon's getting 11 points tonight on the road. Elon lost to uh, Wilmington earlier in the season, and now I look at this matchup again, and for as good as Wilmington has been, their biggest home win in Colonial play has been by 12 points, and that was against Drexel, who's won three games this whole season. So really, they haven't been fantastic at home. From the, I mean, they're winning, but they're not beating teams by 20 points at home. And I look at Elon, and Elon has performed well as an underdog of five points or more uh, so far in Colonial play. They picked up several covers. And I just think that the value is there with Elon. Now, with UNC Wilmington, for as good as they played, that they haven't been a favorite, uh, you know, really of this range that often at home. So I'm going to go with Elon and take the points with them. Yeah, you are definitely going obscure with that matchup. So, all right. So Elon is one. And what else do you like in college hoops for Three Dog Thursday, Kevin? I'm going to have another colonial game. And it's the College of Charleston. They are hosting James Madison tonight. James Madison's actually very talented team who just beat Hofstra in overtime a few days ago. They came back from double digits down to win that game and on James Madison's very ugly court that they play on. <laughs> but uh, but now James Madison goes on the road as a short favorite against College of Charleston. And what's interesting about Charleston is 
that their leading scorer, Canyon Barry, who uh, I believe is the grandson of Rick Barry, he averaged about 19, 20 points a game. He suffered a shoulder injury last month, and Charleston wasn't playing that well. After he got hurt, they've all of a sudden played well. They've won five of six, and they've been very competitive. They've been playing very good defense. You look at some of their numbers. They've allowed, in some of these games, points in the 40s and the 50s, and uh, they're trying to slow things down a bit. And I think after James Madison's coming off this very exciting overtime win against the talented Hofstra team, a few days ago, this is a tough spot for them going on the road, and Charleston's already beaten James Madison once this season. So I'm going to go for Charleston to take the sweep and cover as a home dog. How about that? Now, it's an interesting point about the Rick Berry grandson because that could be looked at a couple of different ways. Maybe some guys have stepped up in his absence because of the injury, different guys getting shots. Or we've seen this before where there are some cases where it's addition by subtraction. If somebody is a ball hog, if somebody takes all the shots and they are suddenly injured, teams suddenly for that reason, tend to come together as a team and play better. We've seen that in the past. I don't have a read on which one it is, but that's kind of interesting that they would lose their leading score. And then what did you say? They've won five of six or six of seven now, yeah. College of Charleston, since then? Yeah, yeah they've playing very well. And, uh, you know, obviously they're still behind the top portion of the Colonial. They're like middle of the pack there in that conference. But they're a lot more competitive because they, early on in the season, were not playing well, and all of a sudden now they're playing their best basketball without their leading scores. All right, and I know I know you're personally outraged right now at the Colonial, the conference, the Colonial Athletic Association, because they no longer have two important Colonial teams as part of their league. So it's almost blasphemy to still call themselves Colonial, right? Right. I mean, George Washington, George Mason. I know George Washington, but I don't even think they've been in the Colonial for years, or you know, they've been in the Atlantic 10, but even George Mason is not there anymore because they're in the Atlantic 10. So really, James Madison's the only one that's holding up the uh, the, holding up the flags for our fathers, in a sense, because I don't really consider you know schools like Hofstra and Charleston to be really colonial. Uh, but, or uh, Elon or, or UNC or Wilton. Elon, yeah. yeah, yeah, we got to be a little more colonial than that. But times yeah. are changing. Times are definitely changing with conferences on that. So Elon and College of Charleston will be your two college plays. Uh, give me an NBA play here, and then I'm going to go over some college picks with you and let you dissect mine. What do you like in the NBA before the All-Star break here on a Thursday night? Only two games in the NBA tonight, and then they have a week off, uh, which has changed from a few years ago. Now they used to play on Tuesday. Coming back from the All-Star break, now it's Thursday, so we got a little bit of a break. I like the Washington Wizards tonight, even though they're a very short underdog. They're getting one at Milwaukee. They've beaten Milwaukee three times already. This season, the Bucks are coming off a very exciting win over the Celtics on Monday. Uh, they came back, or they, they were a big, and, and the Celtics came back and tied them, and then Milwaukee hit a free throw at the end to beat them. Milwaukee has just won one of their past seven games off the home win, so they really don't keep that. They don't really capitalize off those home victories this season. The Wizards have been better on the road of late. And uh, they're coming off one over the Knicks a few nights ago. I mean, I know it's not you know a great victory, but but Washington's had Milwaukee's number so far this year. And uh, I figure Washington, who has had a bit of a disappointing season, would like to end the first half with this victory to try to get things going once we get to the second half and make a playoff push. So you're going John Wall and the Wizards as your third underdog. 
with an NBA team stuck together with the two teams. All right, so I want to go, and again, we should mention, that's Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. TJ Reeves with you. It's Three Dog Thursday. Uh, great to have you hanging out with us on this show. And if you are listening to this show after Thursday, you already know how right or wrong that we were or we weren't with uh, with these picks that we're making on the Thursday games. I'm going to go with two Thursday games, and then I've got a Saturday game as well for our audience that, that really intrigues me. Uh, let's start with Temple and UConn tonight. This is a rematch of a game that Temple won earlier this year. Uh, the uh, the Owls able to win in um, stores and beat UConn in that head-to-head matchup. So now UConn has got their big guy, Brema, back. They've got an athletic team. Uh, they bashed the Memphis Tigers last week, my Memphis Tigers at the end of the week. Uh, this Temple team has a couple of dramatic wins in their last couple of games. They beat UCF in Orlando by two, holding them off. I like Temple at home in this spot, American Conference game, getting the four points with UConn. Give, uh, give me a quick opinion here, uh, Kevin, on that uh, American Conference Thursday night matchup. Well, also they beat an SMU at home. They came back to beat Tulsa at home, so this team is obviously the very top playing uh, at home so far this year. I mean, with UConn, obviously, they've been uh, a very tough team inside of the Atlantic, or the Atlantic, um, the American, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, so far this year. I mean, that conference, it's really at the top with SMU struggling of late with them losing to uh, Tulsa last night, and now it's kind of squeezed a, a little bit uh, around the top. But, yeah, I mean, you get some of these teams together and you really don't know what can happen as long as as long as you're not including Tulane and USF in the discussion, pretty much all these other teams have a, have a good chance to beat each other. Yeah, and Houston proved that. They demolished Memphis. Memphis is reeling now. They demolished Memphis on Wednesday night. And you've got Cincinnati in this conference as well. So it is kind of wide open. I'll take Temple. And again, with Brema back healthy, he's a shot blocker, long wingspan, great, great uh, athleticism down low for them. He does make a difference. But I will take Temple at home as, as one of the underdogs. Um and I've been waffling on this. All right, so your Oregon State pick last week intrigues me because, Kevin, uh, you, you've got Gary Payton the second on Oregon State. They're playing at Stanford late night Pac-12 matchup coming on Thursday night. But I'm also looking at the Iowa Hawkeyes as the as the number two team right now uh, in the Big Ten right behind Maryland. Iowa playing Indiana at Indiana, and Iowa is an underdog. I know Indiana's been good at home. I'm waffling back and forth, back and forth. Do I take Beavers as road pack 12 underdog? Do I take Iowa Hawkeyes as Big Ten road underdog? Do you do you have a way to steer me here on one of these for Three Dog Thursday? You know, with Iowa, I kind of look at them as you know. There's a reason why they're an underdog, and obviously, we see it in, in Indiana's had a very good Big Ten season. For Indiana, this is one of these games that they really need to get because they cleaned up against a lot of the mediocre and bad teams of the Big Ten so far this season. They really don't have a lot of signature wins. And, can I interject, and and they had a bad loss to Penn State Saturday at Penn State, Indiana, so they're going to be angry playing this game Thursday night. Continue on, yes. Right, exactly. And I mean, they won at Michigan, but past that, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of wins over Minnesota and Rutgers and Northwestern and a lot of these just middle-of-the-pack to bottom-tier teams in the conference. This is really a signature game for Tom Crean's team tonight and obviously for Iowa they're just trying to improve their seating right now and they've been great this year with Oregon State uh, against Stanford 
Stanford, they pulled off some nice wins as an underdog this year, maybe not so much as a favorite. My only problem with taking Oregon State, so I'm not really helping you here, so I'm going negative on both of them. Uh, with with, uh, with Oregon State, there's not a good road team. That's right. the problem. And I don't know the value of taking them as a one-and-a-half or two-point underdog when, honestly, the best game they played was at Utah the first time around when they were up, I think, double digits on them as Utah came back and beat them but didn't cover. Uh, I just think that, you know, Oregon State, you're kind of playing with fire there because they're just been so bad on the road in the Pac-12. But they were good for you for last week for three dollars at home at home. So yeah. and obviously you would have taken one of these two potentially either Iowa or Oregon State on three dog Thursday, and instead you went colonial on me. I, I think I you know I, what I had to go. I had to go back to the declaration. Yes, you did. You had to go get presidential on me. I think I will go yeah. Iowa Hawkeyes at Assembly Hall. I think Iowa will find a way to win this game. I know Yogi Ferrell has been playing very well, but again, something happened to Indiana this weekend at Penn State, and Iowa with Utah. Uh, down low, uh, Jock uh, averaging almost 19 a game. Uh, Peter Jock, outside shooter. Uh, Fran McCaffrey's team won the previous. Uh, it will actually beat them last year in the Big Ten tournament. This is the first of two meetings this year. I think I'll go Iowa instead of Oregon State. I'll go Iowa Hawkeyes getting the two on Thursday night. So, again, if you're listening afterwards, you already know how smart I am or I'm not. And I'll leave one more uh, that will be the Saturday game, and we don't have lines yet, but in your opinion, this is why we have you here, Kansas will be the underdog at Oklahoma in that humongous rematch at Norman Saturday afternoon. We believe Kansas will be something like a one- or two-point underdog at least. I would say maybe three or four uh, or so, but the, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Kansas will be an underdog um, at Oklahoma, and obviously the Sooners coming off the three-point win over Texas on Monday. They lost to Kansas State last week. That we'll see really. I don't want to say how focused they are, but we'll see. You know how they'll put it together, considering they are playing with revenge after the loss to Kansas in that epic game last yep. month. And now you look at the Jayhawks too. And this is a team that quietly has kind of gotten things together a little bit, beating West Virginia earlier this week, and they dominated TCU last week, which really isn't a surprise, but. All of a sudden now, I kind of feel like can't start to get get things together, and and they're almost like flying under the radar in a sense. And I and I like them in this spot here in the rematch game. Oklahoma's played a lot of close games as of late. The last second win over LSU. Uh, we mentioned this this game this past Monday night where they where they won in the final seconds, and that was at home. Give me Kansas to win this game. I think it'll be a great game, but I think Kansas will win this game as an underdog. So I will take them along with Temple. And with Oregon State. As always, Kevin, we love your your insight, uh, your analysis. We've put the football season to bed, but that doesn't mean that you don't have great information flowing on uh, on VegasInsider.com. Real quick, tell me more. Absolutely. And even though football is over, still we have March Madness coming up next month after this weekend. The NBA second half will be at full force as we get towards the playoffs. Baseball is not too far away. We still have the NHL. So there's a lot going on, even if there is no football to bet on. You can check us out, VegasInsider.com, or our Twitter feed at TwitBI. And you can follow Kevin Rogers uh, as well at VI Rogers on, on Twitter. He's going Elon and College of Charleston Thursday night in College Hoops and the Washington Wizards before the All-Star break uh, will be his third underdog. I've got Temple, I've got Iowa, I've got Kansas on Saturday for my three college basketball underdogs. You can't wait for this. Kevin, thanks. We always appreciate the time and the insight on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Thank you again. All right, TJ, you got it.